How many of you, um, this is your very first fast? You have never fasted before. This is your first one. That's great. That's awesome. All right. We want to hear from all of you. We want to hear your stories. Have you ever felt like you didn't belong? Have you ever walked into a room and you felt like I'm in the wrong place? Did you ever like change houses and neighborhoods and go, I think I made a mistake? Anybody go to school, change schools? And you go to like another third grade and you go, I'm not in the right place. Anybody in the room felt like I'm not at the right job? I'm not in the right community? How many of us in this room have felt like we don't belong somewhere? Anybody in the room? Okay, most of us. I, I, um, I had an incredible four-year college experience. I loved Johnson University in Knoxville. I left Indianapolis, Indiana, went to Johnson, and uh, played college basketball, played college soccer. Um, I learned some of the Bible. I mean, it was just awesome, awesome experience. And um, then I went to graduate school three years in, in Louisville, Kentucky, and it was a stretch. Um, Graduate school was really, really hard. We're writing 25-page papers. We're having to, to read three and 400 pages per day. And it was just a tremendous, tremendous challenge. But I loved it. I, I loved that experience. And I loved the opportunity to, to be there. But it was a great challenge. And, and so even though I'm indebted to those people in that seminary, I, I really would have to tell you, I, I didn't ever fit in. I never felt like I fit in. I was there one year single, and then two years, Denise and I were married there. And we would both agree that in our 31 years of marriage, the only season of our life where we just felt like we didn't fit in was really while we were at that seminary. They were good people. They weren't bad people. They were filled with integrity. They just weren't our people. You know what I mean? Or, or maybe we weren't their people, one of the two. But, but have you felt that way? And I wonder if, if people feel that way sometimes when they go to church. I have. I've, I've visited a church. You ever visited a church and you thought, what am I doing here? I mean, it's, all, it's full of all either young people or old people or crazy people, right? You walk into a church and, and you go, this is a bunch of crazy people. What am I doing here? Am I the only one in the room that's ever experienced that? Going to a church, like, we're not coming back here, right? They're bringing out the snakes. We're done. We're out of here, right? And, and, and so, you know, you, you begin to think about this. How, how do people feel? How do people feel? How does your Heavenly Father feel then, then toward us? Well, Connect Group started this week. I hope you're in a Connect Group or you jump into a Connect Group. There's some openings here on Sundays. Um, ours meets on Tuesday night. And what's funny about this Connect Group is the first church I pastored was actually smaller than our connect group. This is a true story. The first church I pastored had 23 people in it, and this connect group has more than that in it. I thought that was odd. But anyway, um, one of the things that one of the ladies said in our connect group was, she said, you know, you preached last Sunday on, and the whole point was to talk about Genesis chapter 1, 26 and 27, how we're made in God's image. Male and female are created in the image of God. In fact, let's, let's just read that real quickly. Genesis 1, 26 and 27 was last week. God said, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. And, and in our group discussion Tuesday night, 
one of the ladies said, she said, I agreed with everything you said, and I liked what you said last week, and that was cool. She said, but I see the word inclusion. She said, we got included. And I thought about that all week long. She said, we got to be a part of it. Let us make mankind in our image. And nothing else is made in the image of God. And everything else has a lifespan. The birds have a lifespan. The trees have a lifespan. The stars have a lifespan. You and I are going to live someplace forever. You and I will live forever. And I really liked how she brought up a point that I had not thought of, but I can't stop thinking about it all week long. We're included. You and I are in the plan. The plan from day one, actually day six, but day six is when he created man. But we're in God's plan to be a part of of his eternal purposes. And so the question is not, are you in the plan? You're in the plan. You're created in the image of God, male and female. The question is, are you on the path? There's a plan, and and you're in it. But are you on the path that God has called you to be? And so what God is doing then is God is going to now build a nation. And so we go from Genesis chapter 1 to today to Genesis chapter 12. And if you've got your phone or your Bible or something that you can look up the Scriptures with, follow along with us today. We're going to start this morning in Genesis chapter 12, because now God's getting ready to form a nation. Again, this is his plan. The plan is to have a people for himself. A lot's going on in Genesis chapters 1 through 11. There's the whole creation story. There's Adam and Eve. There's the fall. There's this wild population explosion. And then God is sorry that he made man. It's evil. It's wicked. There's the whole flood thing. Took Noah 120 years to build the ark, by the way. 120 years. It's a long time, isn't it? a long time to be building something, to have faith. Built for 120 years, the flood comes, God starts all over again with Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And then by chapter 12, we've got this large, large population of people, but there's no, no connection. There's no tie, they're not tying them all together. And so in Genesis chapter 12, we find the beginning of a nation that God's going to establish, but he's looking for a leader. He's looking for the right leader. Here's our story in Genesis chapter 12. The Lord said to Abram, I'm going to call you to be my leader. I'm going to call you to be my leader, and I'm going to form a nation, a people group. And you're all in the plan. And God says to Abram, he changes his name later to Abraham, but right now it's Abram. He says, I want you to go from your country, from your people, and from your father's household to the land that I will show you. He's about 75 years old. How many of you in this room would like to be displaced at 75 years of age? How many of you would have the faith and the courage just to get up and leave your family, your stuff, your neighborhood, your community, your Publix, your Starbucks, everything you're familiar with, your YMCA, whatever it is? How many of you would just, you'd get up and you would leave? And God said to Abram, I want you to go, leave your country. And he doesn't even tell him where he's going to go. He doesn't even give a hint how long or how far the journey is going to be. Now, it's going to be about 1,100 miles. That's a long way to travel on foot when you're 75 years old. He's going to go from Ur of the Chaldeans, which is this great Mesopotamian capital, this Fertile Crescent. Maybe you remember Fertile Crescent back in history years ago. He's going to travel all the way up to Haran, which is about 500 miles. 
And then from Haran all the way down to Shechem, the land of Canaan, which is about 1,100 miles. And I will make you into a great nation. This is the plan. The plan is, I'm going to make your name great and, and you will be a blessing, okay? Let's look at the next one. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. Here's, here's the plan. All the peoples on the earth will be blessed, Abraham, through you. Abe starts with you. I got to get the right leader. I'm starting with you, and here's where all the people, you and I, Jews, Gentiles, all the peoples on the earth come through Abraham for the, for the plan. And Abraham was 75 years old. But look what he said. It says, so Abraham went. It doesn't say, okay, can we talk about this? Can we dialogue about this? I like my home. I like my country. I like my father's household. I love this. It says, so Abraham went, as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife, Sarah, his nephew, Lot. He took all the possessions they'd accumulated and all the people they'd acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan. Now, from Ur of Chaldeans to Haran is, like I said, about 500, 600 miles. And then from Haran all the way to the land of Canaan, again, is about five or 600 miles. It's right at 1,100 miles they have traveled. And Abraham traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moriah of Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and he said, to your offspring, I will give this land. It's full of Canaanites, Pezerites, Hittites, Girgashites. Some people say termites, but it's full of all these ites there. Okay. And the Lord appeared to him and gave him a promise. Now, every plan has a calling. And every calling has a plan. And you are in the plan. That's not the question. The question is, are you on the path? Are you on the path? God has birthed something within you. And the question is not, are you in the plan? Genesis 1, 26 and 27 tells us you're in the plan. You're already in the plan. He made you in his image. He created male and female. And we're all included. The question is the path. The path is is the challenge. How am I doing on the path? Well, Abraham has a little detour. He starts off well, but like so many of us in life, we kind of get a little detour. Let me just share the detour with you next. Here we go. Chapter 12 again. Now, there was a famine in the land, and Abraham went down to Egypt. Now, why did he go down to Egypt? Because it's the Nile River. And the Nile River, didn't matter if it was rain or not, they took the water out of the Nile and watered their fields, and so there was always food in Egypt. To live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. Now, he starts off well with this, doesn't he? I mean, so far, so good. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife, and they will kill me because they will kill me, but will let you live. Say you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake. Now, whoa, 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 wait a minute, Abraham. God just said he was going to bless you. And God just said all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Isn't that just like you and me? We know the scriptures. We have kind of a kumbaya moment somewhere, sometime where we feel God working, and we have great faith. And yet at the same moment, there's a detour. I bet many of us in this room, have had a detour. 
Abraham's got a detour. Say you're my sister, you'll be treated well, and my life will be spared because of you. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that Sarai was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And she was taken into the palace. He treated Abram well for her sake. Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants and camels. I mean, he got blessed because of this deception, right? But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarai. So Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me? He said. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? So I took her to be my wife. Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men, and they sent him on his way with his wife and with everything that he had. You're in the plan. Taking any detours? Well, we go from the detour to some confusion. God's called you. He's birthed something within you. You are in the making. He's making you. Ever been some confusion in your life about what's going on? Look at the next section of Scripture. So Abraham then went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had. And Lot's going with him. And Abraham had become very wealthy in livestock and silver and gold. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them. While they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herders and Lot's. And the Canaanites and the Pezzarites were also living in the land at that time. And so Abraham said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I I will go to the left. Now, this all sounds great, but it caused great confusion in in the land. And Lot and Abraham just had a lot of quarreling and, 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 and difficulty between themselves. Let me ask you this question. You ever look at the news at night and wonder who's in charge? You ever read the headlines the next morning and wonder if God's still squarely on his throne? You ever had some circumstances happen in your family or in your business or in your neighborhood or in your school? And you're wondering, okay, I know what God birthed within me. I know what he birthed within me. But man, there's a lot of confusion right now. Just, just, just confusion as to what, how this is all going to go down. And then you get that calling all over again. The reason he made you, the, how he wired you, what you're good at, what you're supposed to do, what you're not supposed to do. You get the calling all over again because God comes to you and he, he reminds you of why he called you. And you're, you're in the plan, but, but he's reminding you of your path. Here's the reminder. Look at, the next, look at this section. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. I am your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. Abram said, you've given me no children. Here's what he's worried about. You told me you were going to bless me. And you told me that all the peoples on the earth were going to be blessed through me. But we ain't got any kids. And we're not getting any younger. And Sarah can't have children anymore. And it's going to take, you know, an act of God. from It's not working. And so what's a, I don't want my servant Eliezer. My best servant Eliezer is going to be the one that gets blessed. And God says, no, I told you I would bless you. I told you all the people on the earth would be blessed through you. 
You've given me no children, so a servant of my house will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This is what happens to you and me. We get confused. We take a detour now and then. We go off the reservation. And all of a sudden, God comes back to us. And he calls us deeper, maybe louder. Maybe he just whispers. This man will not be your heir. But a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and he said this. God takes Abram, Abram outside. He says, Abram, look up at the sky. I want you to count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And they said to him, so shall your offspring be. And Abraham believed the Lord and he credited to him as righteousness. Isn't that just like you and me? We might have a detour. We might get confused. And God comes back to us and God says, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I love you. Repent. Confess your sins. Give your life to Christ. Recommit yourself to his will, to his ways. Isn't that just how God works in your life and in mine? Well, sometimes there are shortcuts. That's the next problem. When we take shortcuts in our lives, things don't go well with short. And all of us in this room have probably taken some spiritual shortcuts, right? All right. Am I the only one? I'm the only one taking a spiritual shortcut. All right. I'll preach to me then. All right. I'm going to preach to me. Here's the next section of scripture. It says this. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. Time goes on. They're now older and she's not getting any younger and she's getting way past the days of childbearing. Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. These next five words may be the five funniest words in all of Scripture. Abraham says, okay. He didn't say, can we talk about this? I don't think this is a good idea. What did Abraham say? Sounds like a good idea to me. And it was a horrible idea, wasn't it? We're suffering the enormous consequences of that today. And we have been for the last 4,500 years. And we'll continue till Jesus comes again. See, God births, birthed something inside of Abraham. And it took 25 years for the child of the promise to be born. Isaac was born 25 years later. He was 75 years old, Abraham was, when he was told to leave. And Isaac was born when he was about 100, right, right at 100 years old. God's birthed some things in you. He's put some seeds inside your mind, your will, and your emotions. And he has birthed those, and you have felt them. You're not even sure sometimes what to do with them, but they're there. And, and you want those to germinate like a swan. You just want those to expand and, and to take off. God's birthed those things within your heart. I, I was 18 years old. This is a Sunday night church service. God called me to preach. And I had this dream that I thought was my dream when really it was God's dream. And what's really funny is, is some of the dreams that you have really aren't your dreams. They're God's dreams that he's put inside of you. But you think they're yours. But I had this dream and I thought it was mine. And um, I just had this dream of like a, a, being a part of something healthy, just a healthy church. I didn't really know what that meant. I couldn't articulate or describe that dream back 37 years ago. But I had the dream. The dream was within my heart. 
So I go off to college, get a degree, go off to seminary, get a degree. Got this little bitty church in Oakland City, Indiana that I did part-time. I'm in graduate school, and Denise and I would drive 104 miles one way. I would preach Sunday morning. We'd stay with somebody during the day, have lunch with somebody, preach Sunday night, come back, go to class on Monday morning. Did that for three years, and it was great, awesome. And then it came time, I graduated, it came time for, like, my first real full-time church situation. And I'm not going to tell you where it was. I'm not going to describe too many details, but it was very unhealthy. It was very toxic. And um, we moved there, and I was the minister of education at this church. And I loved being the minister of education. I was 26 years old. And I'd had like one correspondence course of education through the mail. I don't know how I got the job. I really don't. But I got the job, and for two and a half years I'm there. And, and, and we get there, and of course, Danita's preacher kid, she understands this better than I do. She said to me, she said, he doesn't want us here. This is the senior pastor and his wife. And I'm like, well, everybody loves me. They want us here, of course, you know. And she said, I'm telling you. She said, I'm telling you, they, they don't want us here. And she was spot on. And, and that whole leadership, there were like three couples that all ended up having affairs together, all ended up getting divorces. Um, about midway through all this, this was back in the day before cell phones. I know you can't imagine a day before cell phones, but this is way back when the earth crust was still cooling. <laughs> and and um, the church got a new phone system, AT&T phone system. The senior pastor of the church didn't give me a phone. I had to go use the phone in the kitchen. And he was doing everything he could to, to squeeze me out. I confronted two of them. I knew two of them were having an affair. I'm 26 years old. I had a lot of courage. I didn't have a lot of brains. Okay? I confronted two of them. I knew they were having an affair. And, and so during the middle of all this, you know, where's my dream? Where's the dream that God birthed within me at age 18? Those years had gone by, and there was now confusion. About the same time, my uncle owned a company. He just died two months ago. My uncle owned a company called Ingredient Resources, and he offered me a great job to sell, to sell ingredient resources to farmers. I'd have my own car, my own territory. Doubled my salary. My salary would double, and I would get a car and all these benefits. And all of a sudden, that, that dream just kind of gets confusing within my soul, and Danita said, I'm not going to tell you to get out of the ministry. I would never tell you to do that. And so we prayed for a couple of weeks. And even though our circumstances were getting worse, we knew. Because God had birthed a, a dream within our hearts to be a part of something like this. To be a part of a church that's, I've never had a, a size dream. That's never been a big, but health means a lot to me. I want this to be the healthiest church it can possibly be. I have a dream for the healthiest church. I want us to be healthy. We're not perfect. There are not very many halos in this room. A lot of horns in this room. But, but, but we're, we're moving toward health. And that's the vision and dream that God, God gave me when I, w- I was 18 years old. When people in the next class ask me what I really like about Harborside... There's two things that always come to my mind. Number one, I love our beach baptisms. I'm, I'm stoked about our beach baptisms. But number two, I love how Harborside takes people where they are, just like God, but moves them to where they need to be. I love the fact that, that God takes you wherever you are. 
And I think we do that pretty well as a church. We take you where you are, but we want you to grow. We want you to season because you're in the plan, but we want you to be on the path. And so there's always this balance between grace and truth and grace and truth. And if we're all graceful and we never give you any truth, you never grow. If we give you all truth and just beat you up with big black Bibles, but we don't ever have any grace, you never have any encouragement to grow. And I love where we're headed. I love what Tim said about the marriage matters. I love this future marriage ministry that we're going to have. Our children's ministry back there today, it's the best in Pinellas County, Hillsborough County. It's the best in the state of Florida. It's the best anywhere of any church anywhere. In fact, I tell people, don't come visit our church. If you've got small kids, if you're not willing to have your kids drag you to our church, because they're going to want to come. We've hired two of the most astounding young youth pastors you could ever imagine. We, we've got a young adult ministry today. We have two of our staff members that work with young. This is a healthy church. We're, we're in the plan, but we want you to all be on the path. Now, how do you stay on the path? Well, first of all, what does the path look like? Well, Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, tells us about the path. He says, you're going to be a blessing. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. But Abraham, look at the last four words, five words. You will be a blessing. That's the best part about being on the path. That is the best part about being in the plan. Because then life doesn't revolve around you. And when life revolves around you and you're selfish or self-centered, it, it just doesn't go well. And you're not happy. But every day, imagine every day, how can I be a blessing to her? How can I be a blessing to him? How can I be a blessing to them? How can I be a blessing at school, at work, at neighbor? How can I, how can I do exactly what he told me to do and what he was going to do through Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. My friends, you're in the plan. That's not the point. The path is, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. And in the course of all that, all these blessings come back to you. I will make you into a great nation. I'm going to bless you and I will make your name great. But Abraham, you will be a blessing. And that's the key. So how do I stay on this path? I'm in the plan. How do I stay on the path? It always comes back to the scriptures. It's always the people who obey the scriptures. And that's why all year long, I'm trying to do everything I possibly can to get you to read the Bible. To read the Bible. Download the app. Read the beginner. If you just read the beginner and you read that all year long, you will read the Bible. That's the one habit we're trying to get you to do in your life because that's how you stay on the path. Here's what Psalm 19 says about, about the scriptures. The law of the Lord is perfect. It refreshes. You want your soul to be refreshed? The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy. Do you want to become wise? The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy. Do you want joy in your heart? The commands of the Lord are radiant. Do you want light to your eyes? Of course you do. Everybody in the room wants all those perks that come from his scriptures. Right? So then the question comes into, okay, that's how I stay on the path, but how do I get on the path? I may be in the plan, but I'm really not sure how to get on the path. It always comes back to Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except him. John the Baptist said it well. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. How you get in and on the path is Jesus. 
is Jesus Christ. Listen to what 1 John says. 1 John chapter 5, verse 12 says, Whoever has the Son... In fact, let's read this together. Look on the screen. Ready? Here we go. Ready? Here we go. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Let's do it one more time. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. And the Scriptures are clear. In the Old Testament, there was these sacrifices, and it was through a different sacrificial system with Moses, but not today. It's through Jesus. It's the Christ. It's the Messiah. It's the Son of God. Why? Because He today is the cornerstone. He is that foundational stone. He is the cornerstone. Now look at a couple more verses. I want you to see what Ephesians says. Ephesians 2 says, Consequently... You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but you're fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. You're built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as what? The chief cornerstone. Now, what's the cornerstone? Well, let me show you this next. Well, let me read this first. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple of the Lord. And in him, the cornerstone. You two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. What's the cornerstone? Look at this. The cornerstone is the first stone that was laid in a building. The cornerstone was the stone on the corner that holds it all together. The cornerstone is the most stable and firm stone. It is unshakable. You're in the plan. Get on the path. Here's what 1 Peter says. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6 says this. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion. This is prophetic about the Messiah. A chosen and precious cornerstone. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. I'm going to ask you right now to sing and to worship and to pray and to praise Jesus Christ with all of your heart. Will you stand and join us as we sing together?